Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to WBC Central, a baseball is not boring podcast because if there was ever proof that you needed to know that baseball is not boring, it was the 2023 World Baseball Classic. My name is Sean Spradling. Um, We're about a week removed from the WBC. Um, first of all, I just want to thank y'all for letting me rest for a couple days. I was absolutely exhausted after the WBC, staying up until 3 a.m., waking up at 4 a.m. for the Pool A and B games, um, flying out to Phoenix and Miami for the pool games, and then the semis in the final. It was the time of my life. Um, one of the craziest, coolest sweetest experiences that I've ever had. Um, but I was exhausted. <laughs> so took a break for a few days on Twitter. I haven't um, done a podcast episode in a little bit. Um, so just appreciate y'all for that. Um, but yeah, I it's over. We did it. The 2023 World Baseball Classic is a wrap. I still can't believe it's over um, after... The weeks, the uh, the the months, even I mean, it's almost been a year since I've been covering the WBC um, that y'all have been following along on Twitter. So, yeah, it was over just like that. Um, it was 
two weeks. And now we we have a winner. We have Samurai Japan is the winner of the 2023 World Baseball Classic. Congratulations to Japan. They absolutely earned it. Um, there is there's so much to talk about in this WBC. And I think, I mean, it makes sense. Most of the big uh, baseball accounts on, on socials have now moved over to MLB uh, coverage. Uh, coverage it since opening day is later this week so makes sense i mean mlb is the biggest league in the world the best league in the world opening days in a couple days so i think that that makes sense it's uh it's the right thing to do but at the same time uh, i still i think that there's so many storylines and so many um historic moments in this wbc that haven't been talked about yet that i still want to cover um, and I think that a lot of you will be interested in it as well. So that's what I plan to do with this podcast over the next couple of weeks is still to dissect what we saw in the WBC. It was a sprint, two weeks, just like that, um, a game, multiple games, maybe like seven, eight games uh, in some days. Like we saw baseball, baseball every single day, competitive, high intensity baseball every day for two weeks. Um, and so I think it was a little bit of a whiplash. It was the best WBC we've had, and I don't think we've been able to fully process that yet, and I want to process that with y'all, be able to share some of the uh, top storylines, in my opinion, some of the top moments that I experienced in person, um, because getting to go to the WBC for the first time ever was phenomenal. Um, It was it was the most memorable baseball experience I've ever had. So I can't wait to can't wait to share that with y'all today. Um, instead of going like too deep into the WBC into like specific uh, specific moments or specific storylines, I do want to provide uh, share a couple of my favorite moments from being in person in Miami. So today we're going to go over, I'm going to share my top five moments off the field in Miami for the semis in the championship in the WBC. Because obviously we all know about Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, last at bat, the the perfect script, the most beautifully scripted uh, ending to any game ever. Maybe like one of the most impactful, biggest, most important at bats in baseball history. Um, Having the best against the best teammates. Like we can talk about that could be a whole series in itself. Um, But what I wanted to share because I kind of like the the people aspect of of baseball and like I got to meet so many cool people and experience so many cool things off the field um, that I wanted to share some of those things with y'all um, because yeah I got to cover the WBC in person um, in in Phoenix for the pool pool stage and then in Miami for the semis and the final so my favorite moments in Miami for the semis and the final. Um, that at least are the most memorable for me off the field, not in the game. One of these is kind of a cheater. It's technically on the field, but um, not in a game. So the number five for me will count down from five to one. Number five for me is sitting next to the Cuban reporters and writers during the USA versus Cuba game. The reason why this is a top five moment for me is because that game was baseball history. USA versus Cuba, uh, uh, some very heated, politically charged um, relations between the two countries 
there's not much good happening between the two countries right now uh, in the political sphere um, with the governments. Um, so because of that, it was very heated. There were protests out that's outside the stadium in Miami um, all day, starting hours and hours before the 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 um, the game started. In Miami, the stadium, Lone Depot Park for the Marlins, is in Little Havana. Uh, Miami is home to the largest population of Cubans and Cuban-Americans in the U.S. So there was just so many um, narratives and like there's so much backstory and background to why this rivalry and this game was so intense and so um, historic. Um, the Cuban national team, the 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 highest level, the uh, the top Cuban national team has never played in Miami. They've never played the U.S. I don't believe in the WBC either. So, just everything about this was historic. So we get to the game, we go in this in the in the stadium. Um, it's it's pretty heated outside. There's it's probably I mean eighty percent Cubans and Cuban Americans in the in the stadium. But the crazy thing about it is, even though it was like eighty percent Cubans and Cuban Americans, probably only fifty percent rooting for Cuba because a lot of those fans despise their government um they hate what their country's government um has done to their families and and represents so they don't hate their country but they hate what the government has made their country into and what the government has become and what the government and the team represents so because of that a lot of the cubans and a lot of the cuban americans were rooting for the usa which was kind of a surreal kind of eerie experience to be um, among so many Cubans, but for them to be rooting for against Cuba. So yeah, we get in the stadium, a lot of Cubans, we go up to the press box um, and the game starts. Uh, obviously USA steamrolls Cuba. Um, it wasn't close really at all during the game. Um, but there were a couple protests. There was a couple people that ran on the field protesters carrying signs, um, people that dropped like banners in the outfield. I think there were three people that ran on the field. Um, so the whole game was pretty intense um, and very um, political, I guess. But the cool thing about sitting next to these Cuban reporters for me was to see their reaction to the protesters and to the uh, the the signs and and the chants there were freedom chants throughout the stadium like almost the whole game cubans and cuban americans were chanting freedom freedom in spanish um because to, to protest the the cuban government there were signs that said um uh, for example libertad para los uh i think it says presos cubanos and then it says uh del 11 de julio so um, that was one of the signs out that the protesters ran out on the field with just protests against the Cuban government. They want to freak Cuba. Um, so sitting next to these reporters was really cool because they got really excited and they were really um, happy to see these Cuban fans uh, kind of stand up to the government and to be um, to to root for and and hope for and cheer for a free Cuba. So it was very political, but it was really cool to see the reaction from the Cuban reporters that I was sitting next to because they were really excited, really happy to see that because um, they've some, some of the guys I talked to, like their their grandparents were killed by the government. Their parents were um, 
impoverished for years and years and years until they were able to escape Cuba. So, um, yeah, it was a surreal experience for sure. So that was a cute, that was number five sitting next to the Cuban reporters to experience that with them. Um, number four for me was seeing the angry USA players after the final, after the championship for the WBC. And the reason I say that that's one of my top five is because it encourages me and excites me to see that fire inside them. We won in 2017. We lost this time with a better team. So to see the fire inside of them, I think that they're going to want it badly in 2026. Devin Williams was not happy. He was not happy that they lost. Mike Trout didn't do any any interviews on the field, really. He kind of stayed in the dugout for a little while. And then when the reporters came out on the field, uh, he kind of just went straight to the clubhouse. And then I think he eventually did some interviews in there in the clubhouse. But it was it was pretty intense. Like a lot of those guys were not not having it. I mean, and it makes sense. We like USA is supposed to be the top of the world in baseball. We're supposed to have the best players. You can make every excuse in the world that we don't have our top pitchers there, but at the end of the day, like Japan has their best pitchers, including the best player in the world, Shohei Otani. You got Yu Darvish, you got Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Roki Sasaki, Shosei Togo. You got all of these guys that are the top, top tier of Japanese pitchers. The Dominicans, you have uh, Sandy Alcantara, he played, Christian Javier. So like there really isn't much excuse at this point. And I think the USA players felt that is like they they're not okay with losing. And I think when it comes to 2026, I would expect we have some better pitchers. Um, I've heard some some pitchers say that they do want to play. So for example, Tyler Glasnow said he would he would love to play in the future if he wasn't hurt. So that'd be a big pickup. Um, and so I don't know. Dylan Cease could in the future. He he turned it down this year, but who knows? I think that this fire, this was this ignited something inside Team USA, though, in our national team that hopefully will cause a lot of the higher end pitchers to to join. Because it wasn't, I mean, at the same time, though, we didn't lose because of our pitching. Our elite dream team, best lineup that's ever existed just didn't really show up on the last night. And I don't, I mean, they they could have done better, but I don't really blame them going up against some of the best pitchers in the world for Japan. Um, but at the same time, there is a no, there's no excuse. Japan played better. They had the better team at the end of the day. They had the best pitching in the, in the tournament. So um, yeah, number four for me, seeing how frustrated and angry and passionate the USA players were because it would have been so easy for them to just be like, ah, it's whatever. Like we lost exhibition game. Um, who cares? Like, well, it's a fun time, but no, a lot of them were pretty upset. Number three on the top five moments off the field in Miami for the semis in the final of the WBC for me. Number three was the aftermath of the Munitaka Murakami walk-off against Mexico. And when I tell you it was just mayhem and madness, like it was crazy after the the walk-off, not the walk-off. It was crazy after the the Shohei Otani, Mike Trout at bat for the final. But after the Munusaka Murakami walk-off, it was mayhem. Like people were screaming and freaking out because it was just so improbable. They were down the entire game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were they were trailing the whole game to uh to Mexico until that that walk-off. 
uh, until they won with Munetaka Murakami. And it was just, ah, oh, I was just so happy for him because Murakami had struggled for so long all throughout the tournament. He, he did poorly in the, in the exhibition games before the tournament, he did very poorly. Even at the end of last season, uh, from when I remember at the end of last NPV season, he struggled. He didn't end the season on a high note. So he's been struggling for months and to be able to break out in the way that he did to get his team over the hump after trailing the entire game in the semifinals of the world championship of baseball to beat one of the hottest teams in the world in Mexico to get that walk-off double was I was so happy for him. It was such a cool experience and everybody like the stadium exploded. Everybody freaked out. And for us, the the reporters, the writers, the people covering the game, the the press, um, we sprinted out of the stadium or out of the section that we were in. I was in the auxiliary section for this game for the final and the in the semifinals. I was not one of the high high-end, high-profile reporter. So I was way out in the outfield <laughs> in the auxiliary press section. So we got up and sprinted as fast as we could over to the elevators to get down to the uh, uh, the press interview room um, because people were just freaking out. It was it was loud. It was the word everybody uses, electric. Um, that was one of the – I was my heart was racing so fast because the Japanese fans were just so – excited um and i think the stadium was just so excited to see an ending like that um mexico had played so well that whole game and japan had played well too they just left so many runners on base so um yeah it was crazy it was like i my heart was racing for hours after the game (laughs) like even on the way home after the interviews the, the the press conferences the teams were leaving the stadium i was still like breathing fast um just because of how intense that moment was so i was just super super happy for him of course the next at bat his first at bat in the final he also crushes a home run to right field um so i expect him to start the npb season on a very high note because he's just he's so hot at this point so much confidence after having such a lack of confidence before um so yeah really happy for him that was just a crazy moment number two for me, number two of the top five moments off the field in the WBC for the semis in the final was Benji Gill's press conference after that loss. Um, Mexico was crushed. I talked to Alec Thomas after this after the game, and he was just, oh, he was so sad. I felt so bad for them. Patrick Sandoval, he was bummed. Um, like he was still in good, like high spirits because he played really well the team achieved so much through the tournament they were underrated the entire time they made it all the way to the semis like the farthest the most successful mexican national team we've ever seen um but the reason why benji gill's press conference that i was able to attend was is number two on the list is because of the words that he used to kind of explain how important this this loss this uh, this tournament was for mexican baseball so in his words he said and i'll paraphrase he said this was a huge loss um it hurt but at the same time even though they lost this would be considered a massive win in mexican baseball because of the how much this team has inspired 
Mexican ball players from the youth level all the way up to the professional leagues. Um, they've inspired, they've uh, excited, they've ignited kind of Mexican baseball um, in a way that has not happened in a long time, if not, if ever. Randy Rosarena was the face of baseball for a week. Like he just lit it up with his arms crossed. If you're watching on YouTube, that's why I pulled away from the uh, the mic. His arms crossed salute or his, his arms crossed celebration. It was, he was, he was just, it was cold. Um, but yeah, this, like I said, this is the most successful. This is the greatest Mexican national team of maybe any sport. A lot of Mexican fans were saying in my mentions and comments on Twitter, even like not even uh, there's not no um, soccer team, no Mexican soccer national team has even made it that far to make it to the world cup of baseball semifinals, most successful national team in Mexican baseball history. And because of that, I think it really did um, kind of ignite baseball in Mexico. And I'm really excited to see how it moves from here forward from here. It's not going to ever reach soccer. Soccer is the number one sport in Mexico, but if this could be number two, like a definitive number two across the country to, I mean, baseball has grown so much and this team had so much um, chemistry. They played so well. The pitching was incredible. Um, they beat the USA. They made it to the semis. They beat, Vene- uh, they beat Venezuela, which was one of the biggest upsets in the tournament as well. I had them as my most underrated team coming into the tournament, and they proved that like they were they were legit. Randy Rosarena, Patrick Sandoval, um, Joey Manessas had some massive moments. Uh, Luis Urias. Um, so this team is really really good. They're also very young. I would highly, I would very much expect them to be back in 2026 and not disappoint. So I really liked his press conference because he was just so hopeful. Like even after this like crippling hard loss where everybody was super sad, he was still encouraging. And I also like, I don't know, I want to give him a shout out because he has endured a lot of crap over the last year or two or three. Um, I don't know the full full transparency. I don't know the full extent of his tenure as the Mexican national man- manager, but I know that a lot of Mexican fans did not like him before this WBC. Um, I, I think maybe he just disappointed or he underperformed compared to what the, the hopes were. But a lot of the mentions in my tweets were saying how they did not like him as manager and they thought it should be someone else. Well, after this WBC, everybody has jumped on board the Benji train. <laughs> he has shown everybody um, that he is a mature, um, confident manager that can run a very, very successful national team. And I think that he should be the manager moving forward for the national team in Mexico. Um, And I don't think that there are many people that disagree with that now. So I'm really happy for him, really excited for this team. Congratulations to Mexico, because this was an incredible, incredible run. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's number two. And number one. Number one for moments off the field. And this is when I said I'm kind of cheating because it's technically on the field. But the the craziest thing I think I experienced that was not in the game was Shohei Otani's batting practice. I had never seen a live batting practice of Shohei Otani, um, and it it did not disappoint. Everybody talks about how it's a whole event in itself, and it absolutely is. Like I, I don't know. It was it was a different. It was different. He is different. He is what they say, especially like being on the field. I would say, honestly, like it was maybe 50, 60% Japanese media that were just, that were there at the, at the final and the semis, but the batting practice he did before the USA Japan game, he was just cranking home runs. He hit one off the scoreboard in Miami, who which no one does. He, I, I got some videos of this. I put it on my Twitter. He hit some to the very, very top rows of the top, top section. Um, in dead center, in right center. It was ridiculous. And you just felt this like the his presence is just. Again, I'm going to use this word. People use this word a lot, but it's different. Um, it's just different being around him. He is a presence in himself. Um, I don't know. When, when he walks into the room, when he walks on the field, people flock to him and people shut up. <laughs> like they just, everybody stops talking. They they listen to any everything he says. It's just, there's a different vibe around him. Um, it does not matter who else is on the field. Even with Mike Trout, like, when Mike Trout was on the field before and then Shohei Otani walked on, everybody flocked to Otani. Um, I mean, makes sense. He's the best player in the world. He has shown that. He's proved that he is a freak talent. He can do everything and he can do it at the highest level on the highest stage. Seeing him strike out, again, this could be a whole podcast series in itself, but seeing him strike out Mike Trout to solidify the one of the craziest at-bats in baseball history, um, after a full count, two outs in the bottom of the ninth or in the top of the ninth to win the World Baseball Classic. And then to see him fling his glove and fling his his hat off the field after that was just wild because I, we've not seen that side of Otani yet. Like he hadn't been able to win anything with the, with the Angels, but to see his um, energy and intensity and passion was crazy. Um, but that, yeah, that BP, he was, he's a different animal. People stopped. Like I would pay to watch just his BP. <laughs> um, so whenever someone says that like it, his BP is like it, uh, an event in itself, it is like definitely believe them because it's different. Um, he's, he's launching them 500 plus feet. Um, and he said before the game, I think like, he was doing that to intimidate. <laughs> like he's doing that to actually show people what he can do. Um, but yeah, him walking by, like I got some videos of him walking by me. Didn't get to like interview him or anything because there was just too much Japanese media um, that were kind of like, like all flocked around him. Um, and there was a lot, but just to be near him felt 
crazy. Like it felt like the center of the sports world out of that moment. Um, and I mean, he went from like, ah, don't quote me on this. I'm gonna have to check my Twitter after this, but I think he went from like 1 million to like 4 million followers on Instagram or something like that. Um, I can't believe that there were millions of people that just decided to follow him out of nowhere that either didn't know about him or weren't following them before in the baseball world or just the sports world in general. But um, yeah, he turned into a different beast when in the WBC wearing Samurai Japan jersey. Like he was, he's different. He's different. So he won. He won MVP for the WBC. Um, but yeah, being on the field with him was crazy. It was crazy. So if you ever get a chance to watch his BP, definitely do. Um, yeah, so that's my top five. Um, a couple of the things that I left off, some honorable mentions. Um, the celebrations on the field were awesome. Like seeing Samurai Japan afterwards, uh, just kind of like loosen up and just like go crazy, like celebrating with each other, taking pictures was awesome. If you haven't seen the interviews I've done with Shugo Maki and Roki Sasaki yet, go to my Twitter and my, uh, you can go, go to my YouTube as well. I posted them there like shorts. Um, but they were so much fun. Posted them on TikTok, TikTok as well. They both attempted English and I was so happy that they did. Um, they didn't have to do that. They were so nice. Both of them. Um, I wish I knew Japanese, but I didn't. So I asked like, Hey, like, would you mind doing like a super short interview in English? And they both were like, yeah, for sure. Like, let's try it out. And when they, there were some Japanese reporters that kind of helped them um, interpret and translate a couple of things while, while we did it. But Shugo Maki was hilarious. He was so funny. Um, and just like, I got, got to talk to him like for a second after the interview as well. He's just a funny dude. I wish he had a, had a Twitter um, I wish he would come over to MLB. He doesn't have to, but if, if he did, I'd love to meet him again, honestly. Um, cause he was so funny. He's, he's a character. And, um, also like, I'm still starstruck by interviewing Roki Sasaki. Like he is, um, he's, I, I, he could win Cy Young someday. He's going to win the uh, Cy Young equivalent in, in Japan for sure. I don't doubt that at all in the next couple of years, the Sawamura award. So yeah, that was crazy. That was really cool um, to be able to interview him. But yeah, so seeing them celebrate on the field, uh, seeing all the greats, uh, like all the all the stars from past years in the WBC and just in the MLB was really cool. Got to meet Dice K. Matsuzaka, um, CC Sabathia, got to take a picture with him. Adam Jones was there the whole tournament, um, who's obviously like a, a w, WBC legend with his catch uh, in 2017. So that was really cool. Just seeing like everybody there, the whole baseball world stop and celebrate um our 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 game our global game was really special to be there for um and then just like walking around outside i took a moment after uh, before the final before the Jap- japan usa final i took a moment to just go outside and walk around kind of the the area outside the stadium just to kind of take it all in it's the last game. I was a little sad, honestly. Like I got a little sad during before the game because it was like it's all of it has led up to this and it's ending. It's all ending. But um, it was just really special to see all the fans outside. Not only did we see a bunch of Japanese fans, a bunch of USA fans, but we also like 
I took pictures of, I asked, I asked to take pictures of like uh, Venezuelan fans and Nicaraguan fans, Dominican fans, Jewish uh, fans, and like wearing all the merch and um, Puerto Rican fans, Cuban fans. It was, it was cool. Even like an Italian uh, guy wearing an Italian jersey, he said he was Italian American. So yeah, it was special just to see the, I don't know. Y'all know me. Like I just, I love these national teams. I love seeing these players play for the country. It's just different. Like you see Shohei Otani and this energy and passion that he has talking before the game. Like he gave the pregame speech and how like intense it was. He was saying like, we admire these, these MLB players. We're about to go up against the, the Paul Goldschmidt's, the Mookie Betts, the, the, the Mike Trout's of the world. Um, but for this moment, like this night, we, we can't look at them like that. We are going to like, we have to look at them as equals. We have to look at them as we can, as if we can win. So just, it's just different. So this is my favorite tournament in the world. This is my favorite brand of baseball. I think international baseball is the best. Um, no one worries about pitch clocks or the size of bases or, or anything like that because it's just passion. It's just pure energy um, and just pure fun baseball the whole time. So I hope you all enjoyed this. I will be doing more podcasts on uh, recaps of the WBC, both my experience in person, as well as just like, just like the storylines. Like I want to talk about uh, the Nicaraguan pitcher that signed after he struck out three Dominican batters um, that he faced um, with, with the, uh, the scout that stopped him outside the stadium. I want to talk about Roki Sasaki's um, pitching on the anniversary of his, um, of the earthquake that took the that took the lives of some of his family members. There has been some crazy moments, like really special, hard, big, impactful, important, memorable, beautiful baseball moments in this WBC. And I don't want them to um, go forgotten. So let me know if you wanted me to talk about anything specific. You want to hear about any teams or any players, any moments. Um, I'd love to cover as much as I can. So feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or uh, in the comments of my YouTube videos, TikTok, wherever. Um, but thank you again for all of your support. This has been so much fun. Real quick, last thing, and then I'll, then I'll sign off. I know I'm running a little bit long and rambling, but I'm, I'm going to continue covering international baseball. Um, obviously, MLB is a big part of that because MLB is the biggest league. So I'm going to cover MLB as much as possible. Hopefully, we can go to some games and cover in person. Um, I'm, I, but my thing is international baseball. I want to focus on the international, the global aspect of the game. So I'll be um, hopefully talking to some players about their experience in the WBC and um, talking about players who are from other different countries. I, I want people, I want us to learn more about each other, learn more about different baseball cultures around the world that are so different from ours. So yeah, that's not stopping anytime soon. I'm going to continue covering baseball, even though the, the WBC is over. We only got two years until qualifiers too. So, I mean, I'll continue making graphics. Hopefully I'll uh, be able to talk to some more players and, and uh, like coaches and personnel. So don't unfollow. <laughs> if you like WBC content or international baseball, I'm not stopping anytime soon. So let me know if you have any questions or want to uh, want me to talk about anything specific. Y'all are the best. Um, again, this is WBC Central, a baseball is not boring podcast. My name is Sean Spradling. Y'all have a great night or morning or day whenever you're listening to this. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 